Well, here in Indiana, um, you know, our governor has lifted the face mask order as of April 6th. And as with any decision from any leader in any area, Zach, how are you, man? I didn't know you were here. Way to go, buddy. Good to see you. We'll have to talk later. Yeah, I'll tell you. As I was saying, um, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, any leader in any organization, any decision they make, uh, there are always people who um, will agree with that, and there are people who will disagree with that. Uh, some believe that our governor did the right thing and that there is no reason to wear a mask, and um, you know that, that some believe that he made the wrong decision and everybody still needs to be wearing a mask. Now, I am not referring to whether he was right or wrong. That's not the point of what I'm saying. So, you know, some of you will continue down that whole mask theme and miss the whole point of what I'm, of, of what I, why I even brought that up. Um, my point is that we are all drawing conclusions about people and what people believe on issues by how they act. The way people act, we begin to draw conclusions and come to conclusions about what they believe. In this area of masks, if we see somebody wearing a mask, avoiding crowds, and carrying a hip flask of hand sanitizer, then we, will, we think that they believe you know, that, that uh, that's what needs to be done. That, you know, uh, the, some of the things they've been hearing about this that uh, maybe haven't been strong enough. And uh, if we see somebody without a mask shaking everybody's hands, you know, touching their face and licking banisters, then we, you know, we'll, you know, we think that they, they believe that, you know, there's nothing to worry about. Now, you know, that's, that's in regard to their belief about germs. I think there's something to worry about if you see somebody licking banisters. Just a thought for you there. What, what, I, want you to, what I want you to realize is that people are drawing conclusions regarding what you believe about God by how you are acting and how you are living. People, have, uh, people are, are and, and you're, you're doing this about others as well. You are doing this about other people and, people, and you need to realize people are doing this about you. They are drawing conclusions regarding what you believe about God by how you are acting and how you are living. In every area. And different areas are going to point to different things for different people. And how you are living out, you know, how you are living out your faith, how you are living, you know, in your faith is people are drawing conclusions about what you believe about God by how you are living. Now, the unnerving part is they may realize what you believe better than you do. Because what we do does show what we believe. We live out of our beliefs. Our life and what we do, how we conduct ourselves, how we interact with other people, all of this flows out of our beliefs. Let's pray and I'll share with you how this came out for me. Father, thank you for those who have lived before me in such a way that I've been able to learn about you. 
Uh, I, I just remember some of them, and I think back to the way in which they loved me and showed me the love of Christ. I think of the way in which we were sometimes very different, but yet you shined through them. I'm very grateful for those people. Some I never even met. But yet I could see in them what you have done and what you are doing. Now, when we think about our lives, Father, our lives as well should be showing, well, they are showing what we believe about you. That's an uncomfortable thought for us in some areas, but it's a reality we need to grasp. It's a reality we need to hold on to, and it's a reality that we need to see and ask ourselves and build within ourselves a greater belief, a greater faith in you. So as we look into your word now, uh, continue to teach us, continue to show us, continue to transform our lives in the way you have done in the past, and then we know you're going to continue to do. It may come in ways we don't expect, but help us to keep our eyes on you in and through it all, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 5. If you want to turn there or get there, however, whatever it is you're using to, um, to get to the passage, I'd encourage you to follow and look along. Uh, and see what God has to say. That's all I'm trying to do as we go through this passage is trying to point out to you what I see God saying as we, as we, look, at these, as we look at these verses. We've been going through the book of 1 John. Uh, we're kind of picking up our study here once again after a couple of weeks break from it. Uh, this, is, this is actually our 15th message in, in 1 John. If you're interested at all and you, know, you missed one or two or 14 and you want, you want to live there online there you know, on the YouTube channel and um, the, the website and all of those types of things. But I'm going to begin with verse 3. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, went through verse 3. We're really going to kind of back up and pick up at verse 3 again and move on. First uh, John is a challenge to, it's a challenge to um, organize and a challenge to outline sometimes. Uh, but it's a good thing for us to be able to connect it all. Well, we need to because John wrote it as one long letter. But beginning in chapter 5, verse 3, it says, For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. Now his commands are not burdensome, because whatever has been born of, of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And who is the one who conquers the world uh, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, we're going we're gonna to pause there and look at these for just a minute. Notice in verse 3, you know, it, it's telling us about what the love for God is. And really, the love for God is the actions of living for God. I mean, this is what he's talking about here. Specifically, he says, uh, living in obedience to his commands. For this is what love of God is. Love for God is to keep his commands very specifically, very clear. Now, it's not. So what that means is it's not simply doing what we think is best. It's not simply doing, you know, what seems right to us. Uh, Who you are believing is shown by your actions. Your actions show who you believe. Your actions as you live your life are showing whether or not you believe God. And really, in in many regards, to what degree you believe God. You know, this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. I'm not making that up. That's what it says here in 1 John. You know, this involves 
If you're going to keep his commands, it, it involves, you know, understanding his word uh, so we know better what his commands are. Now, so first thing comes to mind for us is the Ten Commandments. Great place to start. It really is. But realize we're in all of this. We are not talking about a checklist. It's not a checklist. You know, have no other guys before me. That's really the one I think we mess up the most. I really do. Because what happens is we begin in any in any area where you deviate from God and what God has to say in any area. What you are saying is, I know better than you, God. Say, no, I'm not. Well, that's what you're saying by your actions. In any area you deviate from what God says, you are saying, I know better than you, God. I have, you know, I, 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 I got this. You know, this is it. You know, so you, you, we need to know his command. We need to know what his values are. You see, God doesn't give us a command about every specific thing because, again, God is not looking for us to have a checklist relationship with him. He is looking to have a relationship with us where we walk hand in hand, where we learn more, where we grow, where we are able to get the help that we need. He's looking for relationships. So we need to know his values. What does God value? How does God, you know, how, how do those values work out in real life? What is God's character? Keeping in line with his character and who he is and, and all that that means. You know, what has God said? You know, what has he said? You learn, you, as you read his word and you get into it and you learn these things. And what you learn also and what we need to know is how much he loves us. That's the relationship God wants. Not this checklist relationship. He wants a relationship of love where we know, we know the heart of God. We know the love of God and and, and we respond in love back to him. What is right to us is not the standard. What is right to us is never the standard. What What is right to man is an ever changing standard. You need to realize that it's an ever changing standard. When I was working on this sermon, I was just I was thinking and, and, and I looked it up. Uh, it's less than 100 years ago uh, that mixed bathing was was not permitted in some parts of our country. Well, now, some of you are a little shocked because of mixed bathing. OK, just so, so I can clarify for you, mixed bathing refers to um, men and women, male and female, uh, sharing the same beach or the same pool, not the same tub. That's a different sermon. Uh, you know, so when we talk about mixed, but, but less than a hundred years ago, mixed bathing was still not permitted in most of our country. Uh, you know, and and then when it when it was allowed, when it did, our society didn't feel that was right. And then when it was allowed, women wore these. Um, long bloomer type things that covered them from head to toe. And, you know, and, and, and even men, even men had to wear tops with their, you know, swim trunks because it was believed to be improper for a man to have a bare chest out in public. You know, and that, that, was, that was less than 100 years ago. In the 1920s, in the 1920s, women were arrested for wearing a one-piece bathing suit. 
and now bathing suits, you know, a lot of women and men's bathing suits don't, that covers, it covers less than their underwear covers. I mean, it, it really does. Those of you who have young daughters now think about that. You know, when they grow up and you're sending them out there, just a thought for you to keep in mind, um, you know, there, but my point is what is right to us is an ever changing standard. So when we go by the standards of man, it's an ever changing standard. Remember what John wrote about earlier in this letter in chapter two, he says, do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the father is not in him. Our our actions, our, our actions should serve God, not the world. Live for God. You know, live for Him. Live, live like you believe He exists. Let's start there. Live like you believe God exists. And then you have a relationship with Him. Live like God matters. Like it matters. You know that it matters that He exists. The actions of our living show who we are living for. The way in which we live shows who we are living for. If we're living for God, if we're living for ourselves, if we're living for others, you know, uh, if we're living for, you know, to get the attention of this particular male or female or whatever, our actions show who we are living for. And those who have a relationship with Jesus, look at in verse in uh, verse four. Whoever has been born of God, he says, those with a relationship to Jesus. That's what he's talking about, being born of God. Uh, that relationship is so real; it's like starting over again. As we talk, you've heard the phrase before, "born again." That's because that relationship is is so real. It's that new beginning in Christ, born again, born of God. It says here, and that's what we need. Sin is so pervasive. Sin is sin is so destructive destructive that it's that's what we need we need new life we need to start over again and that's what he gives us that's what he makes available to us you know it's nothing short of new life is needed that's what he gives us he says there those who are born of god you know they they have that new life it says there to be able to conquer some translations say to overcome now, not just defeat, you know, the, 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 it's the, we can overcome, defeat that influence, you know, the standards of the world. Uh, but we need to, we need to live by the standards of God. You know, it's, we not just, it's not just to conquer or overcome, as it says, the influence and standards of the world, but to go on from that and live by the influence and standards of God. Because some people, some people will, will, Look to defeat the standards of the world so they can live by their own standards. That's not the point. The point isn't... Understand the whole thing. The point isn't to reject the world. The point is to embrace God. You see. The point isn't rejecting the world. It's not that the focus is on the world. It's that the focus is on God. And, and we want to embrace God. This is what he's talking about when, when, he, when, he's talk, when he's talking here. You know, we conquer the temptations of the world's standards and we keep God's commands. Now, if you recall, you know, and again, I told you, you know, this whole thing, this whole thing fits together. Uh, you know, the whole letter uh, goes together. 
a couple of weeks ago we were looking at 420. It says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother. Here again, now he's talking about the love of God in verse 3. We were talking about a little earlier. You know, he says in verse 20, if you say, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You know, and just a couple of verses ahead of where we started, verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent also loves his child. This is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands. And then verse 3, it picks up right there. You know, so what he's telling us, what he's telling us, you, you know, the, the world will have us live one way, but God tells us to live another way. And so we, we don't treat people as their sins deserve. We treat people as God directs. You see, the point is not just to reject the world. The point is to embrace God. To live as God calls us to live. And if that's your focus, sometimes you will be doing opposite of the world. Sometimes you won't. The world, you know, and some of their standards aren't all bad. I mean, generally speaking, and again, generally speaking, the world's against murder. You know, and so are we. So there's a lot of times, you know, the world thinks it's wrong that if you have have a, 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 a... problem with the way somebody else is driving you don't shoot them you see we would agree but it's not because of the world standards it's because of god's standards we live and embrace god's standards we believe god and believe what god has to say and so we live by what god says that means we don't treat others as their sins deserve we treat them as god directs be directed by your faith, you know, your faith that God is real and that God is the God of your living, of all that you're doing, of all your living. Live by the reality, live by the belief that he is real and he is the God of your living. This is verse four says, this is the victory that has conquered the world. What? Our faith. Live that faith, that belief that God exists and that God matters. Pick up with me again. Verse six. Jesus Christ, he is the one who came by the water and the blood, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three are in agreement. Now, you can get a focus and, and, and all, uh, all uh, distracted by the word of God sometimes even. And some people get distracted here. What's he talking about by water and the blood? There's a lot of different views, a lot of different opinions. What, you know, some feel that when he's talking about the water that he's talking about when he was baptized and by the blood of when he was crucified. You know, that, that whole picture and that whole ending there. And others feel that, you know, what he's talking about when he's talking about the water, that a lot of times is, a, is an indication of the spirit. And they're talking about, you know, they're that by the spirit and, and the blood. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of different thoughts what we have the picture here of though is is the is the whole gospel remember who he's writing to he's writing to a group and as he's writing to them uh you know that that whole there were some in in that group who claimed that jesus was not a real person the early forms of Gnosticism, early forms of Docetism, they, they believed that Jesus was not a real person. And he's telling them here once again that he is a real person. 
They were some were saying that Jesus was not real. He didn't exist. You know, he was only a spirit. He was not a real live person. You know, and because he didn't really exist, then he didn't really die on the cross for us. This is part of what they said. And what he's saying here, John's bringing up the existence of a real life person, a real life person of Jesus, and that it matters, and that he did. You know, because if if he wasn't real, you see, then he didn't die on the cross. If he didn't die on the cross, uh, then he 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 couldn't be the propitiation for our sins, which is what he just talked about again a little earlier. That he was the propitiation. He is the reason. He is the he is the means by which the wrath of God is averted. That's a that's a, a good word. The propitiation, the means by which God's wrath is averted. And it, so, if he wasn't real, you see, then he wasn't the propitiation for our sin. If he wasn't real, then our sin is not atoned for. If he wasn't real, then you are still in your sin. And what he's telling us here is that he is real. And the blood, referring to his, his death on the cross, his life given, given for us, just as it went all the way, all the way back, that the, a life was given because of the sin. If you, have to pay, if you have to pay for the sin on your own, you are losing what you hope to gain. Life with God, you are losing life. And Jesus is, you know, he talks about Jesus here. He is always, always consistent with the truth. You know, he is always consistent with the truth here. You know, it says these three are in agreement. The three persons, you know, the three persons of our God are one God, one God in three persons. You know, it's three distinct persons who are God, and yet they are one God together. You know, they're that one God together, you know, and they are always, it is always consistent with the truth. There is, there is no such thing as my truth. You realize that? You understand? I heard that again on, on, on a newscast this, this week. So-and-so said, well, this is, this is their truth. No, it isn't. Truth is truth. It's either true or it's a lie. Those are your only two choices. And, it, it, you know, say, well, that's, that's you know, something that's true for me. If you're talking about an experience that you had, and this is what really happened to me, that's fine. But if you mean that that is then the basis for, for everyone, then you're wrong. Because truth comes from God. Jesus said, I am the way and what? The truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Again, exclusive claim. No, a clear claim. A clear claim. In answer to a question, you want to know the truth, you're going to find it in Jesus. You're going to find it. You're going to find it in God. Outside of that, there is no such thing as my truth. You know, that, that, that's, that, that's a, a lie that's put out there. You know, truth is true. It's not an opinion. It's not a viewpoint. And particularly not, not, a, you know, not a man. It's not a conclusion that someone comes to. Truth is found in, in, in God. And Jesus is always consistent with the truth. Pick up again, verse 9. It says, if we accept the testimony of men, God's testimony is greater because it is God's testimony that he has given about his son. Uh, The one who believes in the son of God has this testimony within him. The one who does not believe God has not made The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. 
you know, so he starts with there, he says, you know, if we accept the testimony of men, let me tell you something, the world is, the world's population is 7.9 billion. I think I have enough zeros there. If I don't, you just add your own, you know, the, the world population is 7.9 billion people. The population of the United States is 328.2 million people. The population of Indiana is 6.732 million people. The population of Fort Wayne is 270,402 people. How do we know this? We accept the testimony of man. I'm not saying this is wrong. I mean, you know, all, of these, all of these numbers are inaccurate because by the time they publish it, a few more people have died, a few more people have been born, you know. Uh, but, but, but what we do, we accept the testimony. I can only personally verify a very, very small quantity of this 270,402 people. I can only verify a, a very small quantity of that population of Fort Wayne. And when you take that, when you back that up into the percentage, you know, of the state, it becomes an even smaller percentage. And when you look at the number of people in our country, it's an even more minuscule percentage. When you take it in, in percentage of the, in relation to the world population, it is, you know, it, it disappears the number gets so small. But we think it's reasonable for us to accept it. We have faith in what they say. And again, I'm not saying that they're wrong. What I'm pointing out to us is that we accept the testimony of man. We have faith in what they say. Let me remind you, God tells us that he loves every one of those 7.9 billion people. He loves them so much that he gave his one and only son to die for every single one of those people. And each one that accepts the testimony, God's testimony, that they they have the opportunity to come to a saving relationship with Christ Jesus. If you believe and you accept the testimony, you have faith in what God says. Verse 9, if we accept the testimony of men, God's testimony is greater because God's testimony that he gave, uh, that he has given about his son. Here's my point. Believe God more than you believe man. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that everything man says is wrong. That is not what I'm saying. So if that's what you're hearing, you're not hearing it. What I am saying is when there's a disagreement between what man says and what God says, believe God. Believe God. When it seems that there's, a, that there's a disagreement, when it seems that they come to different conclusions, believe God. Believe God and what he says. You're making, you are making a choice between whom you are believing. You are making a choice between whom you are having faith in. Every single day, many times every single day, you are making a choice between who you are having faith in. Man guesses. God knows. So believe, have faith in God. You know, man's testimony may sometimes be reasonable, 
God's testimony is always reliable. So believe God, have faith in God. Man's view is obscured. God sees everything clearly, so believe God. Man's understanding is limited. God's understanding is complete, so believe God. If we accept the testimony of men, God's testimony is greater. So believe God. Believe who he is, that he is, and what he says. Verse 12. Pick up with me. We're going to, a couple more verses, we're going to be done here. The one who has the Son has life. The one who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. We're going to read verse 13 in a minute. Did you see what he says there? The one who has the Son of God has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. There's the two choices. That, that's it, verse 13. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. The whole world can be divided into two groups. Those who have a relationship with Christ and those who don't. There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. There is no such thing as sitting on the fence, no neutral stance. Those are the opinions of man. What God says right here is the one who has the Son has life. The one who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. That's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. You have the Son, you have life. You don't have the Son, you don't have life. Those are the only two choices. There's not an in-between. You'd like to say, well, you know, they're just not, they're just not sure. Well, if they're not sure, then they, they don't have life. Why did I say that? Because I'm, I'm being mean and I'm a jerk? Well, no, because the Word of God says the one who has the Son has life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. There's no, there's, there's no parking lot to wait in like there is so many times now. Uh, yeah, there... They, they, now they may not, they, they may, they may not have all the knowledge you have. That's not the question. That's not the, where's their faith? Where, who is it there that they were believing? Who is it that, let's start with where I think we need to start. Let's start with, you know, who, who is it that they're trusting for their salvation? Who is it they're trusting for the forgiveness of their sins? Who is it they're trusting? If they're trusting, if they're trusting that they've done enough good things, then they're trusting in themselves. And Scripture says then they don't have the Son, they don't have life. If they're trusting in, in, in uh, okay, Buddha and Allah and all this stuff, it is not, it is not different names for the same God. It, it isn't. You need to, you need to realize that. He's talking, about, he's talking about God. They may have some similarities. They may have some other things. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one, not one single person, not anyone at all, comes to the Father except through me. Help them to see who Jesus is. Again, they may not, you know, well, they don't understand the Trinity. Neither do you, neither do I. You know, totally. Let's, let's, let's be honest about these things here. There are some things we don't understand, but this I do know. Jesus Christ came, 
lived his life, gave his life on the cross for my sin. And I am forgiven because of what he did on the cross. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. Not because I did more good things than bad things. Not because I go to church. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because I read my Bible. Not even because, you know, I I pray. It's because he went to the cross and I have, my trust is in him. My, my... Who, I'm in, who, I, who I am believing is him. What is it that you believe? You know, what, what is it? What is it they do? There is no middle ground. God says the one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Believe God. Also believe him, you know, when he says, did you notice what he says there? He says, you know, that the, the one who has the relationship with his Son, Jesus Christ, has life now now it's not only after death it's now that we have this eternal life now again it's pretty consistent you know throughout scripture in in john the third chapter he says the one who believes in the son has eternal life has it not we'll get it after he crosses the finish line. Not we'll get it after he steps into eternity. Has eternal life. The one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life. Again, the two choices. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. Why? Because he's chosen that. Uh, John chapter 5, he says, I assure you, anyone who hears my voice and believes him who sent me, has faith in him who sent me, believes in him who sent me, has eternal life. And will not come under judgment. Why? Because he has passed from death to life. When? Now. When he, when, he, when he has that relationship. That's when he has passed from death to life. You know, because without Christ, then we are, we are under death. John chapter 6, he says, I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life. It's something we have now. John chapter 10, he says, I give them eternal life. They'll never perish, ever. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. It's that relationship we have with him that makes the difference. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have eternal life now. Believe that. Why? Because that's what God says. I have written these things, verse 13, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. The reality of receiving eternal life now means that we have been transformed by the power of God. We've been transformed, you know, by the power of God, given the spirit who gives us the power to live out that relationship in him each and every day. These are the things he talked about earlier in the chapter, earlier in the letter. I mean, believe God, believe God and live like you believe God. Believe him and live like you believe God. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. Live like you believe God. Now his commands are not a burden. You say, yes, sir. No, now they're not. Why? Well, because of what he says there. You know, that, that we, he's given us, he, we have Christ in us. We have the Son. We have that transformation. When it's, when it's a battle for us is when we, are, when we want to do what we want to do. But if we believe God, then we're going to live for him in every in every area of your life. Know who you are believing in the actions that you choose each day. Know who you are believing in the things you say to others. Know who you are believing. 
believe God. Live your life clearly. Live your life consistently so that people will know that you are believing in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, again, thank you for those who have made that clear to me by their living. Who have made it clear to me by the people that you have transformed them and are really still continuing to transform them to be. What we want to be are people who, when they look at us, they see you. Like you said, Jesus, as you were walking here, that they might see our good works, but praise our Father who is in heaven. They they might praise you. It's a little intimidating when we think that, when when we say we want them to look at us but see Jesus. It's intimidating because we know how we live. We know how we want to live. And sometimes we don't live like we believe you. So, Father, make that lesson less in us. Make the reality of Jesus greater in us. Make him shine through more and more. Continue to transform our actions, not just to be like other Christians, to be like you. To live like we believe in you. To live like we believe that you are real, that you exist, and that you matter. And that you've given your life for us. Thank you, Father. Guide us to glorify you, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.